Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 21st of March. India recorded more than 43,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, which was its highest single-day tally since November 26th. With this, the total COVID tally inched closer to the 1.16 crore mark. 197 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the same period, which was the highest number of deaths recorded in a day in 97 days. Maharashtra yet again reported a spike in cases with more than 27,000 infections in the last 24 hours. Mumbai recorded nearly 3,000 COVID-19 cases in the same period. Alarmed by the rise in cases, the city's civic body, Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation, announced that it will randomly conduct rapid antigen tests on people at crowded places without their consent. The Times of India reported, quoting a BMC order, that these places include malls, railway stations, bus depots, marketplaces, tourist places and government offices. The civic body's statement read, and I quote, If the citizen refuses to get tested, it would amount to an offence under the Epidemic Act of 1897. Hence, action shall be initiated against the offender. Unquote. The BMC also said that residents of Mumbai who are eligible for COVID vaccination and have registered themselves on the COVID app can get the inoculation before the scheduled date. Delhi, meanwhile, registered 813 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, which was the highest in the city this year. Authorities in the capital had announced this week that all hospitals will continue the vaccination process till 9pm, starting from March 22nd. Besides Maharashtra and Delhi, other states showing an upward trend in daily new cases are Tamil Nadu, Punjab, Madhya Pradesh, Gujarat, Karnataka and Haryana. A central government panel has found in its preliminary assessment that super-spreader events like weddings seem to be the possible cause between the sharp rise in countrywide cases. Talking about the COVID vaccination drive in the country, the government has heavily relied on digital application COVID to carry out the country's biggest vaccination drive. Before this, it had banked on the Arogya Setu app when it came to COVID safety. In his latest Cash 22 column on newslaundry.com, Vinay Arvind writes, For any policy challenge that the government encounters, the response seems to be to offer an app. Take India's COVID vaccination program for instance. The New Indian Express reported that while India has supplied 75 million doses of vaccines to the states, as of now, only 37 million doses have been administered. While there is a range of reasons for the relatively poor utilisation, one factor that has been highlighted in the news reports is that online registration could be an impediment for a lot of people who don't own phones or use the internet. In his report, Vinay talks about how the government is adamant on furthering a digital push in all major areas of public policy in a country that is still largely analogue and unconnected. To read the full piece, go to newslaundry.com. It is titled, The Mirage of Digital India, Why the Appification of Public Services is a Dangerous Trend. Now for a brief update on global COVID numbers. COVID-19 has infected more than 122 million people in the world so far, while more than 2.7 million people have lost their lives to the virus. Global recoveries, meanwhile, have surged past 69.5 million. Our story of the week this time is the resignation of political commentator Pratap Bhanu Mehta and economist Arvind Subramanian from Ashoka University. We will come back to this later in the episode. The former Mumbai Police Commissioner Parambir Singh last evening accused Maharashtra Home Minister Anil Deshmukh of corruption. Singh wrote a letter to the state CM Udhav Thakri alleging that Deshmukh had indulged in quote-unquote several misdeeds and malpractices. Singh claimed that Deshmukh was extorting money from bars, restaurants and hookah parlours in the city. He wrote in the letter that suspended crime branch officer Sachin Waze told him that Deshmukh had asked him to collect Rs 100 crore every month through illegal channels. 
Denying all claims shortly after the letter was made public, Deshmukh alleged that Singh was trying to make false claims to protect himself from further legal action in the Antla security scare case and in the death of Mansukh Hiran. He also said that he would file a defamation case against the former Mumbai police commissioner. Sachin Vaze was suspended and sent to the National Investigation Agency's custody on March 15th for his alleged role in parking an explosive-filled vehicle near Mukesh Ambani's residence in Mumbai. Two days later, Parambir Singh, who was supervising the investigation, was transferred from his position as the CP. Home Minister Deshmukh had then claimed on March 18th that Singh's transfer was not done on administrative grounds but due to some serious and unforgivable mistakes made by his colleagues. Singh strongly denied the minister's allegations in his letter, saying that he was made a scapegoat to quote-unquote divert attention from the actual wrongdoers. In the aftermath of this, Bharatiya Janata Party leader and former Maharashtra CM Devendra Fadnavis yesterday demanded the resignation of Anil Deshmukh. He said, and I quote, We demand the Home Minister's resignation. If he doesn't, then the Chief Minister must remove him. An impartial probe must be conducted. The letter also says that the Chief Minister was informed about this earlier. So why didn't he act on it? Unquote. Other opposition leaders also took to Twitter, taking exception to the incident. In a related development, the Ministry of Home Affairs on Saturday handed over the inquiry into the death of car parts dealer Mansukh Hiran to the National Investigation Agency. Hiran was the owner of the SUV found outside Antilla on February 25th. The inquiry was given to the Central Agency under Section 8 of the NIA Act. Hiran was found dead in a creek near Mumbai on March 5th. His wife Vimla has alleged that Sachin Vaze had used the car found outside the Ambani residence for four months and returned it on February 5th. She had also alleged Vaze's involvement in Hiran's death. Farmer groups protesting at the borders of Delhi today called for the immediate withdrawal of a standing committee report calling it quote-unquote inhumane, anti-urban and rural poor and against the common consumers. The Standing Committee on Food, Consumer Affairs and Public Distribution, which has members from 13 parties including the BJP, Congress, TMC, AAP, NCP and Shiv Sena, this week asked the Centre to implement one of the three farm laws. The committee's report said that the Essential Commodities Amendment Act 2020 should be implemented in quote-unquote letter and spirit. The stated position of most of the parties who are members of the committee is against all three farm laws while Congress wants them repealed. In its report tabled in the Lok Sabha, however, the committee which is headed by TMC's Sudeep Bandupadhyay said and I quote, The committee hopes and expects that the recently enacted Essential Commodities Amendment Act 2020, which was aimed at addressing the issue, will become a catalyst for unlocking vast untapped resources in the agricultural sector by creating an environment for enhanced investment, fair and productive competition in agricultural marketing and increasing farmers' incomes, unquote. The committee recommended the government to implement the act without hindrances, saying that it would enable the farmers and other stakeholders of the farming sector receive the benefits intended under the said act. Responding to the committee's report, the farmer union said that it has brought to fore the quote-unquote real face of the opposition parties that claim to be supporting the farmers' protest. The Samyukt Kisan Morcha, an umbrella body of over 40 farmer unions participating in the protests, alleged that the Essential Commodities Amendment Act allows for unlimited private hoarding and black marketing. The Essential Commodities Amendment Act 2020 is one of the three farm laws that farmers are protesting at the Delhi borders. It was enacted on September 26, 2020 by amending the Essential Commodities Act 1955. 
As per the amended law, the supply of certain food crops such as cereals, pulses, oil seeds, edible oils and potatoes can be regulated only under extraordinary circumstances. This means that their prices can only be regulated in the event of an extraordinary price rise, a war, a famine or a natural calamity of a severe nature. The Central Bureau of Investigation Saturday told a Gujarat court that the state government has refused sanctions to prosecute three accused police officials in the 2004 Ishrat Jahan fake encounter case. The three accused in the case are IPS officer GL Singhal, State Reserve Police Commander Anaju Chaudhary and retired DGP Tarun Barot. The three accused have now approached the court seeking the dropping of proceedings. Advocate Rajrat Singh Jhala representing Singhal told the Times of India that the court had fixed March 31st for further proceedings. In June 2004, Ishrat Jahan and three others were killed in an alleged fake encounter with security forces on the outskirts of Ahmedabad. The state police had claimed that the four had links with terrorist groups and were conspiring to kill Narendra Modi. Mr Modi was Gujarat's chief minister at the time. However, a special investigation team set up by the Gujarat High Court had found that the encounter was fake. After this, the case was transferred to the CBI. If the Gujarat High Court accepts the plea of the accused, the case might be immediately disposed of as there will be no accused left in it. Coming back to our story of the week. Days after political commentator and academician Pratap Bhanumehta and economist Arvind Subramanian resigned from the Ashoka University, the university administration released a statement today. The chancellor, vice chancellor and chairman of the board of trustees of Ashoka in a statement expressed quote-unquote deep regret at the recent events surrounding the resignations of Mehta and Subramanian. The university administration acknowledged that there had been lapses in the institutional processes which would be corrected after consultation with all stakeholders. The statement read and I quote, Pratap and Arvind would like to emphasize that Ashoka University is one of the most important projects in Indian higher education. They are sad to be leaving Ashoka, especially its outstanding students and faculty. They continue to believe strongly that Ashoka University should embody a liberal vision and commitment to academic freedom and autonomy. Unquote. Mehta, a vocal critic of the Narendra Modi government, had resigned from his position as a professor on March 16th. In his resignation letter, he had written that the founders of the university had made it clear that his association with the university was a quote-unquote political liability. Referring to the university's core identity, Mehta had written, and I quote, A liberal university will need a liberal political and social context to flourish. I hope the university will play a role in securing that environment." Unquote. Arvind Subramanian, the former chief economic advisor in the Modi government and fellow professor at the university, had called Mehta's exit ominously disturbing for academic freedom. Subramanian too had sent his letter of resignation two days after Mehta. The exits provoked student protests on campus, showing solidarity with the former professors and with the university's faculty calling for Mehta's return. Mehta, meanwhile, wrote two letters today, one to the students and the other to the university's faculty. In the letter to the students, where he called them superheroes, he said that he had turned down appeals to withdraw his resignation. He wrote, and I quote, The underlying circumstances that led to the resignation will not change for the foreseeable future in my case at any rate, unquote. He expressed that he was overwhelmed by the outpouring of affection and support displayed by students for him over the last week. Admiring their solidarity, he wrote, and I quote again, Your protest was not about two individuals. It was about Ashoka's institutional integrity. And it was also about the dark and ominous shadows that loom over India's democracy. Unquote. 
In another letter addressed to the faculty, Mehta highlighted what he called a growing contradiction. He wrote that there was a need to ask an uncomfortable question. He continued and I quote again, What will it take to build liberal universities in a country marked by illiberal politics? Our colleagues in public universities have been facing this for a while. Now, this growing contradiction is coming home. Unquote. The exits of Mehta and Subramanian provoked reactions from various commentators and scholars and notably a recent one from former RBI governor Raghuram Rajan. In the context of Mehta's resignation, Rajan said on Friday that free speech had suffered a quote-unquote grievous blow in India. Rajan, who is a professor at Chicago's Booth School of Business, wrote in a social media post that free speech is the soul of a great university and by compromising on it, the founders of Ashoka University had quote-unquote bartered away its soul. The university's student body, meanwhile, in a statement yesterday, called for a strike from March 22nd to 23rd. It said that students were saddened by the resignations of the two professors and incredibly dissatisfied with the conditions under which the resignations took place. News Laundry's Supriti David visited the Ashoka University campus in Haryana Sonipat to piece together what was happening. Her detailed ground report analyzes the mood of the students and faculty and the possible conditions in the university that may have led to the resignations. Supriti spoke to the students who said that they were in class when the news of Mehta's resignation broke out. Mehta entered the room and told them cryptically, People who know will understand. If two of the most powerful institutions in the country, Bollywood and the Supreme Court, can fall, then you just need to connect the dots. While on ground, News Laundry also saw that there was construction taking place on the campus. Workers said that the construction to expand the campus on a separate plot of land would begin in six months. But how is this connected to Mehta's exit? To find out more, go to newslaundry.com. Read Supriti David's ground report titled Why Pratap Bhanu Mehta's Resignation Has Upset Staff and Students of Ashoka University. I would like to remind you listeners that in an environment with increasing attempts to curb free voices, independent news platforms like us need your support the most. News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform and we don't take funding from the government or corporates. We bring you stories that matter in the form of ground reports, videos, podcasts, explainers, media critique and much more. But doing all of this requires time, effort and most importantly, resources. So, if you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. And now for some international updates. Australia has been witnessing the worst flooding in 50 years owing to heavy rains along the country's east coast over the weekend, authorities said today. Reuters reported today that the floods have caused thousands of people to evacuate and damaged hundreds of houses. Several dams, including the Waragamba, Sydney's main water supply, spilled over causing river levels to surge. The Premier of the state, New South Wales, said that the downpour across the state, Australia's most populous with 8 million people, was worse than initially expected, especially for low-lying areas in Sydney's northwest. She added, and I quote, Yesterday we were hoping that it'll only be a one-in-a-twenty-year event, but now it looks like a one-in-a-fifty-year event, unquote. She informed that people in parts of Sydney's northwest were ordered to evacuate their houses in the middle of the night as fast-moving waters caused widespread destruction. The official said that another 4,000 people may still be asked to evacuate. Several major roads were closed across the state, while many schools called off classes for Monday. 
the flooding comes as a sharp contrast to the devastating bushfires that had struck Australia in late 2019 and early 2020 when nearly 7% of New South Wales was searing. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please.